be able to contain these books, but what is required, absolutely what is important for you and for your salvation. What is important? So in other words, you have a certain selection of the words in this. And how this selection is made? Because the words and deeds of our Lord, words being applied to the real situation to solve the real problem in the crisis of the, these particular people. And then what fundamentalist does? Fundamentalists identified the third stage of the gospel tradition, this gospel, as belonging to the first stage, as you have tape recording. As, in other words, fundamentalists absolutely, if he's true to his ideas, absolutely neglect tradition of the church. Tradition of the church, and that tradition of the church is not product of the human mind. Because that tradition of the church is the presence of the Holy Spirit working in the church. That is a, not only an orthodox idea, that's the idea of the New Testament. The Spirit will be given to you, and Spirit will lead you into the whole truth. Because for the time being, you are not able to grasp this truth, but the Spirit will help you. Now that Spirit comes, so that we reject the Spirit. We like what is written in the 60s, 70, and 80 to put it back. In, uh, before proclamation of gospel as recorded, absolutely recorded words. Now, the words of Lord have life in itself. They have a, every word as one father said, have a wings. They, are, they have a life in itself. And now we are trying to really to reduce them to the recorded words. Because words in the gospel are much, much more than if they were recorded at the very moment when Jesus spoke them. Because we have his words, and we have how these words are applied, and what is the meaning of these particular words. Now, so the Ebionites, although they are forefathers, they are not heretics, if they said the things the same. But Ebionites, after coming for, after such a long period of time, after development in the Jewish-Christian relationship and Jewish-Christian theology, in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, many things are absolutely developed beyond one segment to one formula. That was at the very beginning. And that one formula, Jesus is adopted, Jesus is made, Jesus is appointed. That is done according to their idea of Messiah. Messiah will be appointed. So Jesus is Messiah, so he is appointed. Now, church could not satisfy it. And the church could not accept it. And these people could not stay in the church. And the first Christian heresy is Ebionitism. This Ebionites created the first Christian. It is based on a blind loyalty to one segment, one part of the Christian tradition that is overcome. That is a, that, that, that church went beyond it. Church never said this is a wrong when it is said. But the church has a right to say now you can't keep it as it is. You must take into account what the Spirit revealed to us up to now. So Ebionites did not state it. Ebionites did not accept it. And the first Christian heresy, we can classify it as a blind loyalty to one particular aspect of the past. 
Now, let us go further on. Uh, let us see what happened in other parts of the world. In Rome, and any historian will tell you it happened in Rome, and it is due to the Roman conservatism of the Jewish Christians. So we, we hope not all of them went into astray, but some of them definitely. And it comes out of humiliation. It is not only loyalty to one segment of, segment of the past, but it's a linked also with the humiliation, national humiliation, and extreme, extreme nationalism in our times, I think, can be explained very closely according to the same lines. Humiliation, demonization of the people leads them into the past that they don't like to do anything with the present. Now, we move further on from Rome. Because as I mentioned yesterday, in the first 25 years of the church's existence, majority of the Christians were Jewish Christians. Early Jewish Christianity was exclusively Jewish Christianity. After 65, you have an influx of Gentiles. And you have also influx of the Jews who lived in diaspora, Hellenistic Jews. Because we are dealing with one culture, one world, with many religions, with many mystery cults, with many gods and many lords. And now you find a small group of the Christians to convert the world, to convert the empire. It is absolutely mind-blowing, unbelievable. Even today, it is, when I was re-reading uh, apologies of the second century of St. Justin the Martyr, I really, after all these years' experience with the Christianity in history, it is still the question is, how daring, how courageous, how faithful these people were. For instance, Saint Justin the Martyr writes apology to the emperor. What did it mean? One day I will convert you. Uh, the, the idea behind, we are going to convert. No, he does it in the middle of the second century. So these people that Saint Justin the Martyr in the second century has to deal with many others are coming to the church not only Gentiles, but the Jews who are influenced by new ideas, who are influenced by the new ideas. Some of them are very, very good. Some of them are not so good. Now, because they don't like to leave their baggage when they enter the church, but they are also bringing some new ideas, which are not derived from the ground of the church's life and church's existence, but which are coming from outside, influence of the previous life. Now, what is the most interesting about this idea? While Ebionites minimize divinity of our Lord, because they stress so much humanity, the divinity lost any sense. And in humanity said, Jesus is the prophet. Of course, Jesus is the prophet. New Testament tells us that Jesus is the prophet. But also New Testament tells us that Jesus is much more than a prophet. Jesus is a teacher. 
Of course Jesus is a teacher. Jesus is called rabbi, but it's much more than a rabbi. Jesus never used prophetic formula, thus says the Lord. Never. But he always said, Amen, Amen, I say to you. Verily, verily, I say. In other words, really, what I am talking to you, it's only truth. It comes from absolute source. I'm, I, don't, I don't have a formula, thus says the Lord. Because I and Father are one. So, Amen, Amen, I say to you. That's something very unusual. Because we say Amen at the end of the prayer. But Jesus said Amen, Amen twice. To, that people can grasp what he meant. Amen, I mean, before he said anything, before he, before his sayings, before, now this is a, that Jesus is a prophet, but in a very unusual sense. Jesus is a rabbi, teacher, that's absolutely right, rabbi, teacher, but it is a teacher who did not have any rabbinical training. <laughs> and that, 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 that was uh, surprising the people. Who is this man that knows so much? We know his father and his mother. We know that he didn't have any theological training, even didn't go to St. Vladimir Seminary. You know, this, that, no rabbinical training whatsoever. No rabbinical. Now, these people, I said, that, but Jesus is a son of God. Yes, the Ebionites, it means simply virtuous man, man of virtues. That's it. So, in other words, what you find in this first heretical movement that comes at the very end of the first century, you find that divinity is absolutely reduced to minimum, nothing, and humanity is, aspect of humanity is particularly emphasized. But the people later on who are coming to the church, and we have the evidences from the New Testament, are thinking a little bit differently. They love Jesus' divinity. They don't like Jesus' humanity. So you have two opposite things, absolutely opposite. Jesus' divinity is fine. I am very happy with it. I am imbued with that spirituality, and I'm already perfect. I know it. But what I dislike and what I cannot bear, what I cannot digest, that's what Christian says, that the word became flesh. Oh, no. That incarnation. The Son of God became Son of Man. That's what I don't accept. And uh, these people entered the church, and also they have some preparation in the, some problems of the churches in the New Testament time. Because St. Paul had an awful struggle with these people in Corinth. Because they would say, uh, there is nothing to wait because we have achieved absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. We are spiritual people. We are perfect. We are kings. The, we have spiritual gifts. We can do whatever we like to do. And the major characteristic of these people who profess these ideas that they didn't pay any cent to ethical moral teaching. Moral teaching is not important. Moral te the most important things that you are now spiritually saved, that you are spiritually all right. right? And moral teaching. And therefore, let us reject incarnation. Let us reject that the God became man. Now, this is reflected, my dear friends, in one epistle that is a 
extraordinarily important for us to read even today. And that is Epistle of the First John. So, in the First John, as soon that you open this Epistle, you, you don't need to be a biblical scholar to see what is the major problem of this Epistle. Because the Epistle is so clear. Now, St. John does not make any introduction to this Epistle. He doesn't identify it himself. He does not identify the church to which he belongs. He does not identify the church to which epistle is addressed. Nothing. Immediately, out of blue sky, he hits very hard. And we shall be reading it. And I think some part last night, Father Michael quoted this epistle of John. And while my professor, my predecessor at St. Vladimir Seminary, Professor Arsenev, God bless his memory, he could not he could not finish any class without quoting this epistle. <laughs> Absolutely. He, that, whether it is class of Paul or John or, 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 or anybody else or, uh, or Dead Sea Scrolls, the, the epistles always comes in the mind. Now, uh, uh, in the epistle is definitely according to all accounts that we can gather together between line, under the line, and above the line, because that is the problem of the historical research. You have to read under the line, what is on the line, and what is above the line. So this epistle is written to the church in Ephesus. From the Ephesus itself, the leader of the Christian community, Elder John, writing epistle to the church that has had extraordinarily serious problems. In the church, we know this particular church, trouble started, and already one group left the church. Secessionists left the church because they had some particular ideas about Christ and about incarnation. And they could not stand to be together with other people who believe in incarnation, that God became man. They believe in divinity Christ, but don't they believe in a very vague way who Christ is. And then the author starts, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this, that our joy may be complete. Emphasis on the character incarnation. We have seen it, we heard it, we have touched it. You can't go beyond it. And then, if people don't like, if they miss the point, then author in the chapter 4 makes it quite explicit. 
Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God, for many false prophets have gone out into this world. But this you know, the spirit of God, every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now he gives us criteria how to distinguish between evil and the good spirits. Evil spirit deny incarnation and good right spirit confirm incarnation. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit which does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. So incarnation is the major problem. And throughout the epistle, throughout this epistle, St. Paul deals with the problem of ethical teaching of these people. And he came to the conclusion that St. Paul also would agree heartedly with it. There are two classes of people. The one class, he who loves, and the other class belongs those who do not love community. St. Paul and St. John are in full agreement that these secessionist heretics do not love community. They are not concerned with community. They are only concerned with themselves and with their ideas. And for this reason, they left the church. And the, their moral qualities are of no account. They are not interested in moral life. They're only interested in spiritual life. In other words, spirituality and moral life are completely divorced. Completely divorced. And we know from the epistle to Corinthians, extraordinary example, extraordinary example, where one man lived with his stepfather's wife. And community doesn't care about it. Absolutely doesn't care about it. Because somehow they believed they have a freedom to do it. They are spiritually grown so that they can do everything else. And St. Paul attacked it from the very beginning. So this is the second type of the heretical teaching. Second type. And these people left the church because they believed what is later known as a kind of the docetism. Docetism, huh? Uh, no, doesn't help, doesn't help. Uh, docetic, so D-O-C-E-T-I-C, docetic. Docetic is simply the one, comes from the Greek word, it seems so, it appears so. In other words, they believe that Jesus appeared in flesh, it only appears to our senses that he appeared in the flesh, but he's not really in the flesh. It only seems to us that is a asceticism. And later on, that is a ground for the new heretical teaching. They completely separated body and spirit together. So body is no account, and only spirit is good, but body of no account. So these people are called docetics, and the heresy is so-called doceticism. 
there was a wonderful story in the apocryphal acts of John. Because in the second century, people like to have a more fun on Sunday afternoon for the reading. They didn't have a New York Times to read on Sunday afternoon, but they provided some fancy books. They published apocryphal acts, a product of their imagination. And in one book, John is in the valley crying. And somebody appeared to him and said, John, why do you cry? Why are you so sad? And he said, my Lord is dying on the cross. My Lord is dying on the cross. And the one who said, oh, John, it simply appeared to you. He is with you now here. It's only appeared. It is not reality. Cross, cross is not reality. Life of Jesus is not reality. Sacrifice is not reality. That only appears to us. That is nothing else. So the church had to reject it. Now, both of these heretical teachings, they have some their incipient elements in the New Testament. And finally, in the second century, they blow up out of all proportion. Therefore, that is not diversity. That is not the diversity. They went out of the orbit. They went out of periphery. They went out from the center, and they ceased to become a member of the church. This lecture is continued on the next cassette.